0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to KBMP, the non-existent radio station for the B-Movie podcast. I'm your host Adam Kautzer. Um, Scott is still on vacation, but uh, that's not going to stop us from doing something completely different. As you can tell from the show notes, we're actually mixing up our love of music and movies, specifically Songs that are in movies and discussing those movies. I figured that with the election being what it is, a complete shit show, and everybody on pins and needles and nervous and anxiety through the little roof, we'd talk about movies that, you know bring me joy um bring me happiness and some of the songs that go along with those because there's some pretty badass music in uh, these movies so with that we'll get started with our first track
1: i've been alive for four and a half centuries i am immortal
0: Heard was Queen's "Princes of the Universe" from the Highlander soundtrack. Um, I was kind of juggling as to which Queen soundtrack and movie to talk about, uh, you know, Flash Gordon or Highlander. But then, unfortunately, um, the legend that is Sean Connery passed away recently, and so uh, to kind of talk a little bit about him, I wanted to talk about basically the first movie that I. I knew Sean Connery from Um, my, my dad was a huge Sean Connery fan. I didn't really realize, like I saw, I saw time bandits of course, but that's not really a Sean Connery movie. Um, And plus I didn't really like, I was too young to know who Sean Connery was, but when Highlander came out, I had had enough information from my dad and my mother Um, that I completely understood who Sean Connery was and Highlander was like one of those like really big, uh, things for me. It was like one of those moments where like when I watched the movie, I was like, Oh fuck, this movie is awesome. And I, like, know, like, nothing, like, leading from my parents or friends. I just found, you know, just one day my dad popped this in, and I just started watching it. And, yeah, I mean, it's just a badass movie. And it's the first time I just remember Connery. And um, it's interesting to, like, think about it now. Like, I, I couldn't even imagine what it was like and uh, when it was initially released. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, Sean Connery is playing an Egyptian Spaniard in the movie. Or a, an Egyptian... Egyptian that eventually uh, goes to live in Spain, but he has his, you know, he has his accent, his, his, his famous, you know, brogue, and it's like fucking ridiculous. I mean, he opens like the movie, op- like when he comes into the movie, he literally like, is wearing, like, this, like, this dandy of an outfit, and it's just, it's larger than life. I mean, they, they shoot him larger than life. Um, I mean, the movie, like, he's only in part of the movie. Like, that's the unfortunate part about about it is is that he's so good as Ramirez, but when he leaves, like, it almost feels like the movie isn't really... Like, it's good, but it's great when he's around. Like, it just—it feels like high adventure uh, when Connery's in the movie, and then when he leaves, there's this vacuum. (laughs) So much so that, I mean, the producers figured out some stupid fucking way to get him back for the sequel, uh, which was, I (laughs) mean— Highlander 2 is just ridiculous. It's stupidly ridiculous. Um, like the Renegade Cut, or the regular cut, whatever the fuck version you want to watch of that sequel. I mean, all it is is like, you know, the excuse to try to find out, find a way to justify the $12 million salary that they gave to, um, uh, you know, Sean Connery for you know, uh, for, for reappearing in the sequel because he was that important to that movie. Uh, but I love Highlander, just love it, um, you know, not just for Sean Connery, but for, you know, Christopher Lambert and like, going along with the weird accents, like, his, his, like, you know, non-French, but French, like, like close to his as close to mid-Atlantic accent that he has in that movie is something wild to me, though it does work. I mean, I guess in, in all fairness, like the, the accents in the movie work because, you know, uh, Highlander is a movie about immortals who have been there since the beginning of time. Like the song says, uh, and, um, it's interesting because it's like, it's like all of these people, like there's always these, there's all these flashbacks and, you know, Going back to different places in time. So, of course, I guess they would have like a muddled accent. Um, but the other, like, you know, the other piece of greatness in this movie is, of course, Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. Uh, I mean, you don't get too, you don't get, you don't get better than Clancy Brown, as, like, at the height of his Clancy Brownness uh, doing the Kurgan. I mean, The worst of the worst of villainy, scum and villainy. I mean, um, like you know, it's like when he faces finally faces off with Christopher Lambert. I mean, like you know, you you want this to happen. Uh, I mean, it's just like a great film, and it's like it's good to just ignore things. It's like this great high adventure movie that you can just ignore the world and listen to the Great Queen soundtrack, who fucking kill it. I mean, um, you know. Uh, like, one of the things I love is that, like, you know, Queen, like, basically with two movies dominated, like, the sci-fi fantasy, like, you know, soundtrack, like, whatever it may be, but, um, it's definitely, like, like, both the soundtrack and the movie are big things for me, um, and, like I said, that's a bit of a comfort food, and, you know, Connery passing it's it's a big deal I mean I know that the, he's had like I know that there's a lot of troubling things in his life um things that people you know of course on social media have, have gone in into detail about you know but he passed and his mark is indelible and um you know you can't erase that I mean you know I'm not I'm not opposed to talking about the the shit the shit storm that was his life uh, like you know as a misogynist and a wife beater but at the same time you know uh he was James Bond he was all of these like he had an iconic career he was a legend uh The Hunt for Red October is one of my favorite films and I'm not saying that I excuse it but you know we have to have both conversations I think but like right now I, I think it's like Like, you can look at stuff and still see the bastard, but also, like, still appreciate everything that's going on here. It's just a complicated subject. I mean, I know that it kind of going in sideways, but, uh, again, like, it's not something that that we talk about here on the B-Movie Podcast all that much. uh, But it definitely needs to be mentioned because there was this huge outpouring of it, like, you know, nothing like, like, you know, there was uh, as much love as there was vitriol on social media, but then again, that's social media, I guess, but all to say, going back to the point of this, which was, is that um, Highlanders, like, like, if you, if you've already seen the Bond movies a couple of hundred times, and you've already, like, you know, mapped out the things that you want, but you just don't want to do it right now um give highlander a try because like i said like when he's in it man it's some good high adventure and then with that we're going to go on to our next song So we've gone from high adventure to low fantasy with uh, John Carpenter's theme for Big Trouble in Little China. And I think that this one just goes without saying, doesn't it? I mean, I don't think that Carpenter has ever made a film... More filled with joy and enthusiasm than Big Trouble in Little China, I think a lot of that has to do with the W. D. Richter script. Um, I mean, between Big Trouble in Little China and Buckaroo Banzai, you know, you have a one-two combo punch of weirdo, uh, low fantasy, low stakes, but high concept that is just too much to refuse. It's so good. It's so just funny and badass and just great. It's just, it's so, like, I feel like it's, it's a movie that, like, we talk a lot about, but we don't talk about, like, the the anima of the film. Like, what makes it work? Like, I know that we talk about, oh, yeah, you know, Big Trouble in Little China is great. But what we don't talk about is why it's great. Like, what works about it? Like, what what's the fundamental thing that makes Big Trouble in Little China Big Trouble in Little China? And it's, it's this concept of, like, it, it's... For me, at least, it works. It works because you have this, like, for all intents and purposes, this movie is 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 a lot like a like a romantic comedy, um, or like a buddy film. Like, it's like one of the best buddy films, and we don't talk a lot about that. Is that you know everybody wants to like talk about how great Jack Burton is and and everything and he's great and Kurt Russell is amazing and he's such a blowhard and a braggart in this film but what makes this work is Dennis Dunn um it, Dennis Dunn is so fucking good in this movie like he's good in a way that like he's a star like like what bothers me so much about the 80s is a guy like a guy like Dennis Dunn has a performance in Big Trouble in Little China and if it's a white dude that's doing it fucking this guy would be the biggest star in like you know in the 1980s but because he's he's Dennis Dunn and he's and he's uh Asian American uh, I mean Chinese American uh, like he literally goes nowhere which really is shitty to me but I think that what cannot be understated is Dennis Dunn is as as much the formula for um, Big Trouble in Little China as as Kurt Russell is. And I think that that's the beauty of the film. I think that that's the reason why it works so well is because at its core, it's about these two guys – one who is all mouth and one who is all action. And together they make two halves of a whole. Um, and it's it's kind of like Butch and Sundance where the love story is between these two guys. Uh, and the women just happen to be incidental. Uh, not to take away from the amazing Kim Cattrall in the movie. Like I, I've never really kind of like talked about it uh, a lot with people but like Kim Cattrall in this movie is just so just spot on perfect Catherine Hepburn sexy amazing strong woman and that's another reason why it works is because Kim Cattrall is kind of like there and she comes in to this like kung fu cowboy movie and adds in the this like energy this screwball comedy energy that just Bounces off of Kurt Russell. So well like Kurt Russell's like like his like braggart along with with the with the Kim Catrall's Gracie Law character and how they just kind of bounce off one another is kind of amazing and great and gives this energy to it when you know say Wang Chi Dennis Dunn's character and Jack Burton aren't you know, aren't at each other's throats because of bullshit that Jack has gotten them into. um, And, you know, I just want to say as, like, a little side note, I'm really fucking happy that there's no sequel to this movie. Like, I I, I don't count the comics as, as a sequel and I'm kind of, co- I'm very nervous about, like, any kind of remake for this film. Uh, It's one of those movies that, like, you know, you don't want them to touch because there's this kind of per- perfect alchemy in the 100 or so minutes of big trouble in little china so yeah there's that and so we're on to the next song and the next track uh which <laughs> <laughs> oh it might be the widest thing that i've ever done
1: Saying that you're leaving you're so unhappy With the way that you've been living Oh, we always wish for money
0: John Waite's change from the Vision Quest soundtrack directed by Taylor Hackford uh, starring Matthew Modine uh, Linda Fiorentino and a very young baby Matt Dillon Um, I love this movie for a lot of reasons Uh, it's like one of the most 80s movies that's ever been 80s it's a it's a sports movie but it's about a sport that really is so micro. It's not like a baseball, basketball, football movie. It's about wrestling. It's like the 80s had like this wonderful like moment where like let's make cycling a thing, so American Flyer comes out. Let's make wrestling a thing uh, and fucking Vision Quest comes out. There's a bunch of these like r- random sports movies about certain sports that we're supposed to care about but we really like you know they never took off or else they'd be a like a huge sport uh not to take anything away from from greco-roman style wrestling (laughs) but um i just love this movie uh like as a kid it was like this really big thing for me as much as um big trouble in little china was a thing for me vision quest was a thing for me um it was like the movie – like I know a lot of people talk about John Hughes and I liked John Hughes too. But the movie that I thought high school would be like was like Vision Quest. I don't even know fucking why. Um, but this, this movie is just it, – it, it's kind of like perfectly 80s because the, mo- the movie opens with Matthew Modine giving this like speech – Uh, you know, as a voiceover, uh, appropriating, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Native American-like culture, of course, because that was a thing that you did in the 80s, uh, you know, because fuck you, 80s. (laughs) Yes, I said that, fuck you, the 80s, because, you know, as much as you want to talk about how great the 80s was, the 80s was really shitty in a lot of other respects. Uh, But, It starts off with this great monologue from him talking about you have to do something great and he feels like his time is running out, which is a perfect, perfect, like, teenager kind of feeling. This whole heightened sense of, like, if I don't do something now, I'll never do it. Um, it, Like, going back to, like, the Hughesian respect for... What kids go through in high school, like Vision Quest does, kind of like the same thing. And if you've not seen it, it's just about this kid who wants to drop weight so he can he can wrestle the best wrestler in Washington. This uh, this fucking animal um, of a of a dude, and it's just that. It's like it's a Vision Quest basically, and uh, Taylor Hackford shoots it. With all the seriousness that you would come to expect from from any high school movie, uh, it's beautifully shot, uh, and it's got this great kick-ass soundtrack. And the best thing about uh, Vision Quest is is that it cast a young pop singer as the bar as the bar singer in a bar that lets high school kids in. I don't know, I don't get it, but whatever, what the fuck. And got her, got her to do, not got her to do, but managed to get three songs from her uh, debut release. That woman, uh, that, that young lady happened to be Madonna. And it, like, I think the soundtrack for Vision Quest was bigger than the actual movie. But it's just this great sports movie and... This really weird love story. Uh, I'm not going to get into this whole, the whole dynamics of what happens and stuff. I'll let you guys see it and go, whoa, okay, that's interesting. But um, where the song comes, where this needle drop from John Waite comes is kind of like the perfect moment. It's like this moment of elation because like, everybody has been down on Loudon. Matthew Modine's character uh, about him trying to drop weight and they they feel like he's not being a team player he's being an asshole. um uh, the wrestling coach is played by Charlie Hallahan who is in who uh, who's in of course you guys all know he's the doctor in the thing um <clears throat> and like my favorite part about the movie is, is that Charlie Hallahan thought it was a or the Taylor Hackford thought it was a good idea for Charlie Hallahan. To be in a wrestling outfit for most of his scenes, so he plays his his scenes in a unitard, and um, like even Charlie Hallahan's character is against Loudon, and Loudon just gets it in him to do this peg, uh, the, like, you know, he's had enough of, like, all of these people saying that he's not a team player, and he just like kind of, like, throws it down on these guys, and he's like, you know, wrestling's not a team sport. When you're on the mat, nobody can help you do anything. And then he, like, runs off, and as, like, a teenager would do, he, he like, tries, like, in the 80s, I should say, instead of dancing his anger away, um, a la Footloose, um, he does this, like, peg, uh, like, uh, this, this, like, I guess it's an exercise to see how strong your arm strength, your upper body is because it's just like a series of pegs that you have to go up and it's, like, literally the height of a gym. So it's, like, I don't know, about 40 feet up in the air because it's a big fucking gym. Um, And Loudon, just one at a time, does it, does it, going, 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 and they're all watching him. And it's the moment where the team realizes that Loudon is fucking serious. It's not some kind of showboating thing. This fucking kid has something in him that he really wants to fucking do this thing. And they get behind him and and like this whole pegboard thing because the pegboard thing, it's like vertical, right? And so you go up it like a ladder and stuff. And, um, and... Like, everybody starts cheering for him because nobody has done it. Like, you see it earlier in the film and people have tried it and stuff. Um, And he finally gets to the top of it. And it's this great... Taylor Hackford does this great thing where he, he does the perfect shot of it because it's a shot... F- it's shot vertically. So you're looking at Matthew Modine's face as he does the last peg and... It's just a shot of him, and then over over his head, you see the entire um, the entire wrestling crew cheering him on as he's done the deed. And then John Wake's song comes on, and it's just like this kick ass moment of elation, and it's like a high point for the movie. Um, it's just it's just kind of a great film. Uh, it's got a tangerine dream score. A young Force Whitaker is in it. Like uh, it, it's just it's good things um check it out and with that brings us to our next track mill uh from the soundtrack for creed uh lord knows uh getting stronger uh i just love that song i love that track uh you know that combination of like what meek did with the bill conti score um with ludwig uh goranson who Uh, you know a lot of people know as you know the composer of Black Panther he's uh he's like he's an amazing dude he's he's the producer for Childish Gambino um uh you know he's doing the score for The Mandalorian um again like just an amazing composer but what he and Meek do with that track is so so great and like where it comes in the film, uh, you know, in Creed, where Creed, like it's the, it's that moment, like it's the kind of parallel moment in Rocky where Rocky is running and like, you know, like the Bill Conti music comes up and it swells up and it kind of gets you right in, it gets you right, you know, gets you right in the center. It gets you in the heart because it's like, you've seen how hard Creed has worked, uh, how it, how hard Adonis has worked and like how the... What I love about it is is that when Meek's uh, when Meek starts dropping his rhyme and his lyrics at that moment is when Philadelphia gets behind. Like the the south side of Philadelphia gets behind Creed as he's running and it's it's like like even to me even now I'm getting chills just thinking about it about what that means because there's just more Like, Creed is a lot of things, but I feel like what we, what people have not, like, really kind of unwrapped just yet, and maybe people have, and I've just not written, I've just not read the right articles about it, is what that movie does for a lot of things. And one of the things that I think about is, like, Meek, and, like, if you don't know who Meek Mill is, or you do know, but you don't know a lot... I'm going to point you to the Amazon series. I know that I don't talk about a lot about TV, but I'm going to point you to the series about Meek Mill and about his court case and his fight to get freedom from jail and the after effects of that and what he did for Philadelphia. I mean, he is a true, like, you know, like, like I think about it, uh, and he's one of those guys that, really cares about his community and in a way it's like when that track comes up it's like Ryan Coogler knew exactly what he was doing and how they pre-planned everything in that for that moment because it's like when Meek drops those those he starts dropping those bars at that moment like i said it's like philadelphia comes out in the most south side philadelphia way that could ever happen and if you know if you even know a little bit about philadelphia it's it's a rousing moment it's a moment that kind of creates this 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 new like this inclusion for that part of philadelphia that i think that is often that is like like you know that's not even talked about. And in here it's it's a part like what I love about Creed is, is that it takes the conventions of a Rocky film and it flips it on its ear. And it makes, it makes that classic American story of an underdog and it gives it so much gravitas like i love i fucking love creed like it's probably one of my favorite movies in the last 10 or 15 years um i remember the first time i saw it um it was it's interesting because when it was released was like around the time it was like a couple of months into uh, dating uh my now wife uh she didn't go see it with me and but like I went to go see it by myself on on Thanksgiving Day um right before like you know right before I went to go well, I guess go to families and stuff and like it was interesting because like I watched it and like that last that last 10 minutes when when he when Adonis says what he says like it hits you and it hit me um and it's just it's like it's just a good rousing movie like like i feel like in the order of rocky movies it's up there in the top like it's it's probably like you know rocky creed like in some days i'm even feeling like it's creed rocky and then like i know it's gonna sound weird rocky balboa then rocky four um and then rocky three uh Rocky II is just I don't even know. Like I wish we could just skip Rocky 2. Um I, and then Creed I, Creed II I don't know. Like I, I haven't watched it enough. Uh, I think Creed Creed is more my jam. Like it's like it's just I love that fucking movie and it's it's such a good it's a it's a positive movie. It's a it, it, it's like 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 uh, like Vision Quest it does this thing where it ends at the exact moment it fucking needs to end. Um and I just love it. And like I said this this track is really important. Uh like I feel like it's a really important track. Not just for like, you know, just the culture or whatever it may be in cinema, but like for me myself, like it's one of the songs that when I started working out again, it's like one of the songs that I started listening to. Now I'm on to something completely different. I I'm yo I'm doing yoga, but like when I was first starting to like really like hit the gym hard like this was the first song that I would listen to always like this was the song that was on my uh on my like you know Spotify playlist it was the first thing that I played uh, because it just gets your blood pumping and it's I don't know like like even if you don't like rap I think that you should like this song and this movie like if you've not seen creed what the fuck God, go watch it i mean if you if it's been if it's been years since you've seen creed and you need something positive in your life you need to just escape the bullshit this is that that's this movie and with that uh we're gonna get to our uh last song which i'm unfortunate to say but uh, i've only planned a couple so with that we're gonna get to the next track Face the Music uh, from the Bill and Ted Face the Music soundtrack, which is the song that unites the universe, um, performed by Heavy Duty. Um, I couldn't think of a better way to close out this podcast, especially about one about positivity and just kind of ignoring the anxiety for a little bit and trying to find ways to cope um billet ted face the music is like the anti-2020 movie that was released in 2020 uh, it's something that i've not talked about because i don't know how to talk about it because like i watched it um you know i watched like everybody else like when it was first released and For such a simple movie and what people are calling a slight movie, which I don't think it is, I don't think it's a slight movie in any way, shape, or form, Um, it's one of the most beautifully rendered movies of 2020. It's, like I said, it's the anti-2020 movie. Like, so much shit has gone on in 2020 that's been just fucking terrible. It's a shit show of a fucking year. Um, I don't know if 2021's gonna be any better. Um, but, you know, for those 90 minutes while I watched Bill and Ted face the music, I laughed, I smiled, I cheered, Um, and I got a little choked up at the end because, like, they did it. Like, it took them 20, what, close to 30 years to make this sequel? But they did it. And they did it in a way that is so unexpected, that is so just perfectly Bill and Ted. Um, and perfectly what I feel like... Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are his people like people outside like if you watch like if you if you know anything about Alex Winter and his second career like a second career as a as a documentarian like He's somebody who I like I actually hold in as much regard as Errol Morris. Like that's how good of a a documentary filmmaker he is. Um they're like his movies like are just they're they're vital. Um I would not recommend them right now because some of them are quite harrowing um and will probably give you anxiety attacks, but they are things that are vital. Like you know, like his documentaries, like Errol Morris' documentaries, are completely vital to the to America. Um, like uh, some of the stuff that he talks about is pretty heavy duty, and but he cares. I think that that's the thing that I get, I, I take away from uh, from his films is that he cares. And then like Keanu as a persona, like as a person, um, you know, like what I love about Keanu is is that you know he is. Like he was he was one of my first movie stars, like and what I mean by my I mean my generation I feel like like he was one of the guys that was within our age with it was within my age range or plus or minus like eight or nine years, I guess um but he he was like you know he was representative, like I looked at him on screen and he was he was biracial and it was like something like there was something special about him and Everybody tried to knock him down. Like, if you really, like, if you, like, you know, you go back to the 90s and all the comments that people used to make about him. It was always about, like, you know, the, hey, dude, persona. But the thing is, is that, like, in a weird way, like, weathering through all of the bullshit, being a good person, persevering through some really horrible tragedy has pulled him out as this weird like not even weird this like zen master of like celebrity and it's like you know it it's always comforting to see him out there and him not being a horrible fucking person and it's like it's weird because like both of their personas is so are so wrapped up in Bill and Ted and like to me like one of the few delights of 2020 was me looking at Bill and Ted face the music and going fuck there's no way that this movie is going to be good man they're gonna fuck this up like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill of Ted's Bogus Journey are the one two combo punch for me of just pure joy. Like I can watch those and forget about things for a few hours. But if you add a third one in, you might lose the luster if it doesn't work, but it does, and that's the best part about it. And that's like the best part, like that's one of the the only unexpected delights of 2020 um in the way in cinema is the fact that This movie works so well, so well that it's still in my top ten, and it probably will be because it's so good Um, and just so perfectly simple in the way that it does things. Um, And with that, guys, stay safe out there. Uh, Like you know, I don't know any of you guys, but like truly, like I really do, like hope that. You can find a way to deal with your anxiety If you're having anxiety about these times I know that I've not talked about it You know, I've i I've side-skirted the issue I mean, me and Scott have made a few Like, you know, gallows humor jokes About 2020 being the burning bush And end of days But honestly, truly, guys Like, um, you know Personally, I've gone through a lot this year I got married, which was great But then, you know I've been esconded to my house for the last nine months like or or ten months, like the no I'm sorry, whatever many fucking months I've lost track, eight months, almost nine months now, um in my house, like you know staying away, doing social distancing, being doing my part, making sure my loved ones are okay um and then now this fucking election um I just hope you guys find moments. Because I have like beyond, I've clawed my way through finding different things that I can do to find moments of grace. And one of them is podcasting for you guys. Like, you know, I do it for myself, but I also do it for you guys. Like, I hope that you, like the positivity and the love of film comes through and the, the love of this specific type of film comes through here. Uh, you know, between me and Scott, uh, when Scott is here. Um, and I... I just hope that that positively that positively rings through, and you're given a few moments where you don't have to worry about the shit show that is 2020. Um, like I said, I I've, I've myself have found ways to make that grace come into my life. And like I said, it's a big part of it is is diving into cinema and movies. I uh, Like as a personal note, I've seen close to 700 movies this year. Um, Things that have been on my need to check off list for literally decades, I'm finally getting to. Um, And it's one of the aspects that really gives me a sense of calm, uh, along with a lot of other things um, that I've taken up. Uh, You know, uh, quarantining has been, I guess, a pretty good thing for me. Uh, But I hope you guys stay safe no matter what happens in the last two months of this year. And moving forward into 2021, just remember that, you know, you just, like, just try to find those pockets of calm and grace and good humor, and just hold on to those for dear life because that's what's going to get us through. And who knows? Maybe I'll be back with another um, with another B movie podcast uh, like this. Uh, you know, radio free KBM uh, KMBP. <laughs> I don't even know what I called it. Oh, I know KBMP. Um, uh, because, you know, B movie podcast, you put the K at the end of it uh, at the beginning of it, uh, cause you're an FM station. Um, but we're going to close out with one of my favorite theme songs of all time. It's one of my favorite closing credits of all time. I've talked about it. It's, it's one of the, the, one of the few commentaries that we've done for the B movie podcast. That's right. We're closing out with the theme song or the ending credit music for Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, So with that, guys, we'll talk to you soon.